Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung right here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. And what a key time for us to look at the current events around the world in light of biblical prophecy. That's why I bring my six broadcast partners to the broadcast table on a weekly basis to do exactly that. And we're glad to be in Chattanooga because we're going to be at a church in the region. We're going to be at the Church of the Highlands. It's located in the northern part of the city of Chattanooga. It's the old Highland Park Baptist Church. Dr. Lee Robertson was pastor there for many, many years. They moved up to what was their Camp Joy location. That was a children's camp that uh, Dr. Robertson put together. Now the pastor is Scott McCurdy. He was associate pastor at Highland Park, but uh, they moved up north to the location where the children's camp was. It's now called the Church of the Highlands. I'll be there speaking Sunday morning at 1045. Hope you can come and join us as we study the prophetic word of God. We're going to go to Europe now, actually to the country of Sweden, where we find Ken Timmerman. From that vantage point, he's watching the world and geopolitical activities. And Ken, I understand that there in Iran, there are some demonstrations going on in the street. Looks like it's intensifying as we move close to the inauguration of the new president of Iran. What can you tell us? Well, Jimmy, there have been protests in Iran that began about two weeks ago over water shortages throughout the country. They were based early in western Iran uh, in, near the oil fields in Khuzestan. This is the area bordering Iraq. But over the past 10 days, they have spread to the rest of the country. And, the, and just this week, they even reached Tehran. Uh, this is really an enormous uprising that we've seen. It began, again, not over political issues, but over things such as clean drinking water and water for farmers. Uh, the Iranian regime has been extraordinarily irresponsible uh, in its water policies. It's drained lakes, it's diverted dams to feed projects run and owned by cronies of the regime. And people see this. They can see what's happening. And now these protests have just spiraled way out of control for the government uh, that has been unable to quell them. So now they're shutting down the Internet. Uh, you have even, and this is pretty extraordinary, even the United Nations has protested to the regime in Tehran for the brutality and the violence that they've used against their own people to try to suppress these demonstrations. Of course, that new Iranian president is known as the Butcher of Tehran, He's responsible for the deaths of many, many protesters in the past, back in the 80s, for example. Is there any concern that they'll have to delay the inauguration of the new president, or will that go as planned? Well, I think the inauguration is going to take place as planned, but you're right to point out his past. This, uh, Raisi uh, was personally on a committee of four people who approved the murder of 10,000 prisoners in Iran in the late 80s, and since then he's at the head of the judiciary branch. He's also presided over the executions of hundreds of Iranians, ordered the execution of hundreds of Iranians. He is wanted uh, internationally for human rights abuses. Frankly, I think he's going to have a hard time traveling anywhere in the near future because of his past record. Ken, and at the same time, 
the people of Iran are not being taken care of by their government there. Israel is issuing a stark warning to the United States and, in fact, the rest of the world that Iran is crossing the nuclear threshold, and it could happen very, very quickly. Give us an update. Well, that's right. And, and by the way, one of the things protesters are now saying openly in Iran is they want their money, their tax money, spent to help the Iranian people and not on nuclear weapons and not on Hezbollah and not on Hamas war in Syria. The Israeli government, uh, the new Israeli government, uh, in meetings just this past week with the U.S. Secretary of State and the Secretary of Defense, uh, issued private warnings, which they later made public, that Iran is much closer to crossing the nuclear threshold than people are willing to admit to publicly. Uh, This is a serious um, uh, statement for the Israelis to make. Secretary of State Tony Blinken uh, responded by saying that the negotiations now underway with Iran over the nuclear deal could not string out forever. So he's trying to also send a message to the Iranians that they can't just keep on playing playing out the clock. But I think this was a bit of a, I hate to say it, a come-to-Jesus moment for, for Tony Blinken going to Israel and getting pounded by Israeli leaders who are desperate. This new left-leaning government is desperate to court the United States and to court the Biden administration, but they've also made it very clear uh, that they have very strong differences with the Biden folks over Iran. Yes, and I noticed that Joe Biden's administration has taken sides with Russia, Syria, Iran, and Hezbollah against Israel. What can you tell us about this? Well, this is pretty extraordinary, really, and something that is, uh, again, disturbing to those of us who believe that the United States and Israel are strategic allies. The Biden administration, apparently, uh, and again, these are so far uncorroborated reports, but uh, we're, we're told that in the summit meeting between Biden and Putin, that President Biden essentially told Putin, we have no opinion if you uh, prevent Israel from striking at Iranian sites in Syria. And after that summit meeting, and this is the reason that that many commentators are giving some credence to this story, after that summit meeting, Russia then announced that it had been shooting down Israeli missiles fired by Israeli aircraft at targets inside Syria. So I think we're seeing at least a tactical shift in Russia's approach uh, towards Israel's uh, airstrikes in Syria. The Russians have moved a new generation of air defense missile called the Buk into Syria, and that's what has been used apparently against uh, Israeli missiles. But again, it's it's a bit early here, and I will say this, is that uh, if you want to bet against against the courage and the experience of Israeli Air Force pilots, um, I think you will have a, uh, uh, you're going to lose an awful lot of money. Absolutely. And however, though, you've got to say the Russian-Israeli relationship is probably worse than it's been in a long, long time. Well, talk to me about the fact that China is expanding its nuclear capabilities. According to scientists there, that's a pretty awesome concern, is it not? Well, this is uh, very concerning. You and I have spoken about this a bit in the past. You know, there's, there's a great deal of ambiguity about the 
number of nuclear warheads the Chinese actually have. The official number is extremely low. It's around three to 400. Uh, unofficially, the U.S. Defense Department has estimated as many as 10 times that many uh, uh, nuclear warheads. So uh, there's a lot of, as I said, there's a lot of ambiguity, a lot of gray areas. But what's new here is that some of these arms control uh, groups have used commercial satellite imagery to discover that China is building a, a missile field in um, Gansu province, a missile field that is, looks like they have close to 100 and possibly even more silos, missile silos under um, construction. Now, that's a really big deal, <laughs> building 110 new missile silos uh, to launch uh, nuclear-capable ballistic missiles uh, would vastly expand China's capability, and you have to wonder where those missiles are going to be pointed and what type of missiles are going to be there. Are they going to be the ICBMs, or are they going to be shorter-range missiles? We don't know that yet, but just the fact that China is building this missile field, I think, is really uh, an extraordinary development and a very dangerous one. Ken, it's been a couple of weeks since we've talked about our old buddy Tayyip Erdogan there in Turkey, the president for life as it relates to the Turkish nation. But I understand he made an interesting statement this week talking about Hagia Sophia, which is a church dating back to the times of Constantine. And he said the fact that he changed that church and converted it to a mosque is key in the revival of the Turkish civilization. I would think that would be the Ottoman Empire. What can you tell us? It would be the Ottoman Empire, and that's exactly what he was referring to. This was the uh, first anniversary of this conversion. So um, Erdogan officially turned the church into a mosque one year ago this week. And so his statement this week was commemorating uh, that decision. And, um, uh, you know, it has not been a mosque since, uh, you know, many, many, many decades. Um, it was, it was, uh, turned back into a museum by uh, Ataturk in the 1930s. And so this was already a very extraordinary event for Erdogan to uh, essentially declare victory over Christianity, because that's what this means. It, uh, when, you, when you turn a church into a mosque, you are declaring this Muslim territory, a Muslim victory. Um, and, of course, that is, has always been Erdogan's goal, uh, and it's been his goal as well to, to, re, to revive the Ottoman Empire. When we visit that part of the world and go into Turkey, I've taken tour groups into Hagi Sophia and a very interesting location. We did it when it was still a museum, but now a mosque. And as you said, a step forward in Erdogan's effort to develop or revive, actually, the Ottoman Empire, which was a dangerous empire at the time it was in existence. Ken Timmerman, the man who covers geopolitical activities for us, he's key to each and every report. That's why we start with him, the very first broadcast partner, right here on Prophecy Today. Ken, thank you so very much. We'll have another conversation next week. Thank you, Jimmy. Always a pleasure. God bless. We're going to take a quick break. David Dolan's standing by. He's got his Middle East News Update. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. 
Every believer needs to understand Bible prophecy. Whether you're a novice or a student, we are here to help you. Just visit prophecytoday.com and click on the link for the Prophecy Bookstore. There you will find a large selection of CD sets, DVDs, and books for the Bible prophecy student written by Dr. Jimmy DeYoung and other prominent scholars. While you're there, be sure to check out Dr. DeYoung's latest series called Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy. This series examines how God has used human leaders in general and specifically the last seven U.S. presidents to set the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. This was shot on location in Washington, D.C. and is available on DVD or as a 10-hour audio series on CD. Be sure to check back often for special deals. You can visit prophecytoday.com and click on Bookstore or you can go directly to prophecybookstore.com. I want to remind you that I do have a website. It's prophecytoday.com. This is a full-service website. It will assist you in your study of Bible prophecy. For example, I have a prophecy bookstore with a number of materials that will help you as you study through the prophetic passages of God's Word. I have a number of books, DVD documentaries, and five-hour audio series on the subject of Bible prophecy. I have a prophecy Q&A section, and then I list the top 10 news stories on a daily basis. These are news stories that seemingly are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled, and I will give you a prophetic perspective on those news stories. That website that you should bookmark is prophecytoday.com. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central. Already told you that. Hope you can give us the 90 minutes that we need to present all of the reports from my broadcast partners around the world, helping you to understand, giving you insight, news that you'll not get from mainstream media, as we talk about the different regions covered by each of my broadcast partners. We made a promise David Dolan would give us his Middle East news update. Of course, this a key report for each of us who are students of Bible prophecy. And David, let me begin with this, if you will. I understand the word is out that the Biden administration is taking sides with Russia, Syria, Iran, Hezbollah, and they're taking sides against Israel. What's the deal here? I thought Israel was endeavoring to try to have a good relationship with President Biden. Does not look like it's working out that way. Well, Jimmy, this is based on uh, further information about a story we discussed last week where a senior Russian official said that basically they had assisted the Syrians actively assisted for the first time in uh, countering an Israeli airstrike, actually two of them, in uh, Syria uh, a little over a week ago, and that Russian-made anti-aircraft missiles were fired, and the Israeli missiles were destroyed, the eight missiles aimed at the targets, which were Iranian-linked, supplying weapons to Hezbollah, But new information came out over the weekend from the same sources that reported that in Russia, that this was the basically the result of a wink and a nod uh, that uh, Joe Biden had given to Vladimir Putin when they met 
I think it was in June, and that basically Biden had indicated, the report said, that the U.S. would no longer support Israeli air action in Syria. Uh, the Israelis have been, as you know, since 2015, striking at mostly Iranian positions throughout Syria. Iran, of course, sending forces over at uh, President Assad's request to help him fight the civil war in his country and using that opportunity to set up bases to uh, strengthen channels to Hezbollah forces in next-door Lebanon to establish militia positions in the south of Syria near the Golan Heights, where, by the way, Jimmy, there were clashes this week. Pro- and anti-Assad forces were once again fighting each other very close to the Golan. Uh, this makes the Israelis very nervous. So uh, this is a report. It hasn't been confirmed in Washington. Uh, the White House had no comment on it, but it certainly seems like it's a possibility that the policy has changed from the Trump era and that uh, Biden did indicate to the Russians, look, if you feel this is a problem and you want to go after it, uh, go after it. In other words, uh, you know, strike at Israeli uh, aircraft and these sorts of things coming into Syria. So we don't have that confirmed, and there's various accounts in the Israeli press uh, saying this is true or saying this is not true. Israeli officials are not saying anything on the record, of course, on it, but an indication once again that the relations between Israel and Russia are deteriorating, whether or not the U.S. is involved in that or not, we can't say for sure. And at the same time, Israeli officials issuing a stark warning to the United States in particular, but the rest of the world as well, of Iran's nuclear power and a potential weapon of mass destruction very, very close at hand. What can you tell us? Well, you know, nobody knows for sure what's going on in the dark holes in Iran, but uh, we certainly know that they're enriching uranium at an unprecedented rate. We know that they've broken several of the main uh, points of the so-called nuclear accord uh, negotiated by the uh, Obama-Biden administration, and, of course, that Biden is attempting to return to that Donald Trump pulled out of in 2018. And uh, their nuclear program goes on apace, and the Israelis are extremely worried about it. You know, if it's a problem that Israel's striking at some low-level Iranian-linked positions in Syria, what if the new Bennett government decides that, hey, we have no choice here but to attack the nuclear program itself inside of Iran? This, of course, would be a major action, as we've discussed many times. It would involve uh, a lot of forces. Iran's nuclear program is widespread and spread out throughout the country, so it would be a major development. And the, the Israelis are apparently just saying that, hey, if you want to prevent a new full Middle East war, Washington, then uh, help us to curb this program and certainly don't re-enter the nuclear uh, agreement. And by the way, Jimmy, we had an attack on Thursday night in the Indian Ocean, uh, not far from Oman, on a ship that's uh, not owned by Israel, but it's managed by an Israeli billionaire. And it uh, was a drone attack that they believe Iran was behind. It killed two people, the Romanian pilot and a British uh, guard on the boat. So the Israelis are very upset over that. And just indications that Iran continues to 
spoil for war, really, in the region. And again, they're the ones saying very much out loud, as they've been doing for many years now, that they are out to destroy Israel entirely, to wipe it off the face of the earth. So uh, them with a nuclear bomb is a, a pretty harrowing prospect for the Israelis. David, I read an opinion piece this week that said, a war between Israel and Iran would not be an easy war for Israel to win. You would probably agree with that assessment, would you not? Yes, because it wouldn't just be against Iran. It would involve, as we've discussed so many times, and uh, Israeli leaders have said openly and others, analysts, have confirmed, it would involve Iran's proxy forces, the largest one being Hezbollah in Lebanon, with, we believe, about 150,000 missiles, increasingly they're precision-guided. And by the way, the U.N. ambassador, uh, the Israeli U.N. ambassador this week, warned the U.N. that Hezbollah could spark a regional war unless the U.N. empowers its peacekeeping force, the UNIFIL force, uh, down in uh, southern Lebanon and along the Golan border to take stronger actions against Hezbollah. Hezbollah is rebuilding its forces along the border and strengthening its positions and the U.N. is supposed to be curbing that, uh, the U.N. Resolution 1701, which ended the 2006 Second Lebanese War, pledged that the U.N. would make sure this didn't happen. But so a war against Iran would involve that. It would involve certainly Hamas and Islamic Jihad firing rockets and doing nefarious things along the Gaza border. It would probably involve drone attacks coming from Yemen as well to southern Israel. They've got, uh, of course, all the Iranian-linked militias in Iraq that are closer physically to Israel than Iran, much closer. And as we talked last week, they're even attempting, Iran is, to take over in next-door Jordan. So Israel's basically surrounded by Iranian forces, and Iran itself has, for sure, been building up their navy, their army, and particularly their drone missile forces, So this drone attack overnight on Thursday, not far from Oman, is very, very ominous to the Israelis, even though it wasn't an Israeli ship again. It was owned, it was managed by an Israeli company based in London that is headed by an Israeli billionaire. So all of these things signs that conflict is coming. Let me remind our listeners, both David Dolan and Jimmy DeYoung, do believe that war with Iran is coming, Ezekiel chapter 38 and verse 5, and that will be a time the only way Israel will survive is for the Lord to intercede, Ezekiel 38, starting in verse 18 through chapter 39, verse 6. More on that when we take a look at the book. One final question for you, David. Understand that Israel is watching the United States as they seem to be undermining the Arab Accords, which could bring about war as well. Well, Jimmy, again, we see a change of policy from the Biden administration, from the previous Trump group, definitely moving back towards support for peace talks, which, as we've discussed, seems so unlikely right now between the Palestinians and Israelis, and uh, uh, trying to get back into this Iranian nuclear deal, other things like that. So, yes, the countries that entered the Abraham Accords with Israel under the Trump administration are now taking a second look, we're hearing, at these accords. And, you know, maybe this wasn't the right thing to do. If we don't have the United States actively backing this, will they hold together? So 
Once again, the Israelis are very nervous. They're watching everything going on in Washington, in Moscow, and in Tehran very closely. And uh, if there was ever a time, as I've said before, but it's increasingly so, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, now is that time. I've said often, if you want to understand where the Middle East is as it relates to the prophetic scenario, if you're a student of Bible prophecy, you must hear the report from David Dolan on a weekly basis right here on Prophecy Today. Excellent report, David. Thank you so very much. We'll talk again next week. Thank you, Jimmy. Glad to do it. God bless. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Winky Madad will begin our second half hour. We'll have a pulpery of issues we want to discuss with him, especially about an insect who will play a key role in the rebuilding of the next temple. Keep the dial where it is. You're listening to Prophecy Today. Have you always wanted to visit the land of Israel? Imagine what it would be like to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. With Joshua Travel, you can visit Israel past, present, and prophetic. The Bible will come alive as you see places like the shepherd's field where our Lord was born, Caesarea Philippi, Cana of Galilee, Capernaum, the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Garden Tomb. You'll even experience an exciting boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. You'll visit each site with Bible in hand as we take the time to not just visit the sites, but to help you understand their importance to our biblical heritage and to our prophetic future. We will place special emphasis on the eternal city of Jerusalem, the most important city in the world, and the place from where Jesus will rule and reign one day. Call Joshua Travel today at 423-821-3635 to find out more about this trip of a lifetime, or you can visit us online at joshuatravel.com. Hi everybody, Jimmy DeYoung here at Broadcast Central in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We move into our second half hour in the 90 minutes, the three half hour segments that I've asked you to give me so I can give you broadcast partners around the world that have news reports that you'll never hear in mainstream media. So glad that you could join us. By the way, we're here in the Chattanooga area for this weekend because we're going to be at the Church of the Highlands. That's where Scott McCurdy used to be associate pastor at Highland Park. Now he's the lead pastor at Church of the Highlands. We'll be there Sunday morning at 1045. Hope you can come and join us. Well, we promised Winky Madad would come along. We've got Winky with a pulpery of issues that I wanted to discuss with him. Winky, this is becoming quite a regular thing, but there's so much to cover in addition to what I cover with David Dolan and more deeply into some of the issues, so I like doing that with you. For example... Israeli officials, including the foreign minister Lapid and the defense minister Benny Gantz, are warning the United States about Iran. What's the latest on that? Well, Jimmy, Israel, of course, follows the Iranian nuclear weapons development program very closely, so closely that sometimes we're inside some of their plants, and it seems uh, quite possible and I think even the former head of the Mossad basically confirmed uh, 
that we have done some damage to their equipment in an attempt to delay, stall, or impress upon the United States and other countries that, A, Iran really does mean business, and two, we're not going to allow ourselves to be caught too short uh, with a warning or with a uh, reality waking up in the morning that things are too late. We still have hopes that we'll be able to halt the Iranian nuclear program. And meanwhile, there's a lull in the negotiations between the United States and Iran to renew that nuclear deal. Do you think that could possibly fall apart? And if it does not, will Israel put together a preemptive strike on the Iranian nuclear program? Well, as regards falling apart, that depends on, unfortunately, the United States. Iran is very aggressive, can I call the term, in their propaganda, in their demands, in their public relations campaign. It's not as if they're trying to get favor or uh, plead for the justice of their cause. They're right out there in diplomies, you know, they're basically screaming and yelling and thumping on the table, basically. And so what I'm trying to say is that it depends on the United States. If the United States says, wait a second, boys, we know what's going on. We not only have Israeli information, but we also have our own satellite information. We've seen what you've been doing over the past few years in terms, what's the word I can use, uh, conforming to the terms of the uh, arrangement that the Obama administration did. And even though we don't like Trump, I guess the Biden administration would say, he did have a point. Not only Israel, Jimmy, but most of the world, I think, needs to look up to the United States and urge it, that country, to be firm in its dealings with Iran, because the damage will not be limited to the Middle East, Jimmy, as we all know. It'll go much further. Quick answer. Would Israel uh, put out a, a preemptive strike on the Iranian nuclear program? Uh, I would think so. I think that at least twice in the past we learned about that Israel was uh, ready to do it at the last minute. Internal politics within the cabinet of Netanyahu at different periods of time, it seems, stayed his hand. But look, Israel is fighting against Iran in Syria. It's fighting against Iran in uh, Lebanon. And now with uh, Iraq falling to a certain extent, we don't know where the next front will be. So it's not a question of attacking Iran and its nuclear capabilities, uh, but it's also Iran all at different levels. And I'm sure that if Israel is convinced that within a very short period of time, Iran will get that weapon, uh, military, or, or should I say, implements and instruments of force will be used. I don't know whether it's going to be a bomb attack or a sabotage, or some other act. But I'm, I'm quite convinced that Israel will feel it needs to do something. That's issue number one. Issue number two, Arutz 7 is a orthodox-operated news site, a Internet news site where you can get the latest news coming out of not only Israel but the entire Middle East. They published in the last week a two-part article on occupied territories. 
Now, I know that you have defined that for us, helped us to understand there is no such thing as occupied territories, at least as it relates to Israel. Could you just take a moment and rehearse some of those things you said? I think it's good to allow all of those listening to us to understand there's no such thing as occupied territories that Israel is responsible for occupying. Well, Jimmy, let me make that even clearer for the folks listening. Israel does not illegally occupy territories that were gained in the 1967 war. Okay? Throwing around that phrase, illegal occupation, is wrong. Laws of war allow for the occupation of enemy territory if in a war, whether it's defensive or not defensive. And at the end of the war, whether there's a peace treaty or some other arrangement, it's expected that all or part of that territory will be returned to the state that made war or was engaged in activities or hostilities against the other state. So if we look at 67, A, Israel was attacked and reacted in self-defense. Secondly, no such state of Palestine ever existed. In other words, even the laws of Geneva, what we call laws of war crimes, uh, etc., do not apply in this case because no state of Palestine existed. In fact, if anybody wants to be exact, Jordan illegally occupied the territories of the former Mandate of Palestine, which were supposed to go to the Arab population at the time, but they refused. And even in '48, they initiated a war against the nascent state of Israel. So if you line up all these things, you realize that their argument about some sort of illegal occupation is ridiculous, besides the fact that the original land territory or area of the Jewish homeland, as envisioned by the League of Nations in '22 was all the territory west of the Jordan River, in other words, Judea, Samaria, and even Gaza. So the history and the legality or the, the, the international law is being perverted here by the Palestinian Arabs and those who are supporting them. Thank you, Winky, for that definition. I think it's key we keep that in front of all of our listeners. One other item I want to talk to you about you pretty much stay up to date on what's going on in preparations to build that next temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. And I was reading an article earlier this week, talked about a insect there, uh, basically I think it was on oak trees, uh, that can be used to produce the red dye for items for that next temple, related to the priest, related to the curtain, the veil of the temple, etc. There's a lady collecting them at a certain time during the year that it happens. What can you tell us about this? Well, Jimmy, uh, anybody knows how to neg- navigate Google can search for an academic paper that was already published back in 2005 identifying a certain insect of the... Uh, and I hope I pronounce this properly, cocoid species, C-O-C-C-O-I-D. And they have identified that with the special red dye that was used 
for the tabernacle coverings and later, of course, in the temple. Uh, we know of purple and we know of other con- uh, uh, colors that were involved in the weaving and, and, and the making of various curtains, etc., both in the tabernacle and also uh, in the temple. And this paper makes a very good case for identifying the insect, which provides the color red, which, of course, on, on one hand indicates that just like the mollusk for the purple dye, these things exist. They're not made up. They're not some sort of fairy tale of some sort of religious tract that was fanciful, but nature, nature's servants, can I say, Jimmy, exist then and exist now, and they give us the ability to prepare for that time, which we hope is sooner than later, in which we can re-inaugurate the temple, its uh, implements, its accruements, and it's, of course, its uh, instruments, and reset about doing God's work as it was originally intended. And these ladies collecting these insects one step closer to putting that temple, the Jewish temple on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Interesting to me that seems like God is providing these insects and the other things that are needed for the different threads and coloring and carpet of the temple itself, doesn't it? And what a time it's going on. Jimmy, absolutely. God, nature, and man are a unsurmountable team with faith and belief and experience and hope. And we trust that the way that is set out for us in the book will bring benefit to all mankind uh, through his ways. That's the voice of Winky Madad, a very good friend of ours here on Prophecy Today, a great broadcast partner. And when I talk with Winky about issues, he always hits the ball out of the park, giving us the information we need to have. Winky, thank you so much for allowing us to have this conversation with you today. I'm sure we'll have another one down the road not too far away. Jimmy, thank you for having me on and being able to talk to our listeners. And uh, goodbye to you and our listeners. Winky Madat with his report and insight into the potpourri of issues that I discussed with him today. There's another region of the world that is key. If you're a student of Bible prophecy, I would suggest you keep your eye on the European Union. European Union, I do believe, is at least the infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire, major player in the times of the tribulation, that seven-year period of time after the rapture and before the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so that we can understand what's happening in that region, on a weekly basis we go to John Rood, who has lived there for over 30 years, actually in Brussels, Belgium, headquarters for the European Union for a number of years. And John, let me talk to you about the European Union and its relationship with Russia. Someone has said that there needs to be some thinking long-term as it develops this relationship between these two entities, the European Union and Russia. What can you add to that? 
Yes, the emphasis on long-term between the EU and Russia seems to be beneficial. Russia likes to concentrate on some of the very short sort of project-type issues and so forth. And uh, as we discussed last week as well, there's a lot happening right now on the upcoming federal elections in Germany and how they influence EU and Russia relations, since uh, Germany really are the is the nation and the influence at the head of relationship with Russia. And yet you, you understand, of course, that uh, voters usually care more about domestic issues than they do about foreign policy. So it appears with all the changes that come, it would be beneficial if the EU could think on longer terms because there is a impasse right now. Uh, Russia is showing a great deal of strength. I understand that long-term vision is key to understanding how that relationship will come together. But I also have heard the Baltic Sea is key, a major component. How does that come about? Well, the Russia is quite sensitive on the Baltic states, which are Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. And I've spent time in all of those countries. EU and NATO have to maintain this balance with Russia and the front of countries that are uh, bordering Russia in the Baltics, as, as we said, they're not as strong militarily, and they're economically weak. And so there's a lot of tensions right there, and the Baltic states are symbolic. They're extremely vulnerable, we can say, to the Russian influence. And so we have the central nations of the EU, Germany and France, dealing with Russia, and yet we have the weak European Union members that are in between the two. And so it reminds me definitely of another of a myriad of illustrations of the iron and clay strength and weakness of today's European Union, which matches with Daniel too, as you mentioned, prophetic significance. We do know that the European Union has a foreign policy as well. I understand the EU leaders have sent a message to the new prime minister of Lebanon that he needs to form a government without delay. Now, I'm sure that's key for Lebanon, but why is the EU getting involved? Uh, the EU, of course, is very concerned with the Middle East, where they're able to uh, flex some muscles and give themselves some justification. The new Lebanese prime minister uh, appears to be influential, but says he can't necessarily pull it off to see what can be done to form a government. France, uh, historically, has worked more with Lebanon, and so I imagine somewhere that uh, France is looking to see how they could expand their influence in Lebanon. But we have to understand that Lebanon has gone through right now one of the largest economic collapses imaginable. Their currency has literally lost 95% of its value in a year, Food prices have quintupled, uh, food shortages. They have rolling 20-hour power cuts. And so EU is urging for something to come together there. But it's also a message that if it's not, then they would probably be willing to be more direct in their influence. I do believe that uh, new government in Lebanon is key as it relates to Israel as well. So we'll stay on top of that story with both you and our Middle East correspondent, our broadcast partner from that region of the world. One other item I want to ask you about, the European Health Union. 
Now, I'm not sure exactly what that is, but they have said their number one priority is the COVID situation. COVID is not going to go away in Europe, is it? Well, uh, you and the rest of the European Union adherents are probably asking the same question. What exactly is a European health union? It appears to be another effort at centralization to put in place a structure that in the future can be used in many different ways uh, beyond. They're using this effort to protect their citizens, they're saying as number one. So it's emphasizing that the individual member state cannot deal with this issue on their own, and they need the supranational power of the European Union to deal with health issues. So it's a question more of can the individual member states trust the centralization of the European Union and such policies up till now that has been a troublesome thing to try to resolve. That's the voice of John Rood. He's the man who has lived in the European Union for over 30 years, headquartered there in Brussels, Belgium. And, of course, that's the headquarters for the European Union. So John has his finger on what is going on in this very key region as it relates to Bible prophecy. John, thank you for your report. Excellent. We'll talk again next week. Thank you, Jamie, and always beneficial to look at the prophetic nations. John Rood, a man living in Brussels, Belgium, for a number of years, giving him great insight. A weekly report needed right here on Prophecy Today. Well, we're going to bring our broadcast partner, Ron Muro, to the broadcast table. Ron, a financial expert working in the Wall Street area for a number of years and involved in those financial activities that are key for operating this world and, in fact, the entire world. I have an article posted on my top 10 news stories, the home page of prophecytoday.com, about China and a new digital currency. I'll get to that in a moment. But let me see if I understand what I'm going to be asking you, Ron. I understand that today the world currency is the United States dollar which means what as it relates to the financial world? Jimmy, the world reserve currency is only one currency that is in use by governments and central banks around the world for the purchase of commodities like wheat, corn, soybeans, and oil. The reserve currency is used in all aspects of the global economy. Now, because of its size and strength, the dollar replaced the U.K. pound sterling as reserve currency in 1944, by a vote of 44 nations at a conference in Bretton Woods, uh, New Hampshire. Since then, the nations of the world acquired dollars through international transactions and the purchase of treasury bonds. Okay then, Ron, as I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, we understand China has created a digital currency. I want you to explain what that is and how does it actually work? Well, first, Jimmy, the digital currency is an electronic equivalent of paper money and coins that can be stored in a digital wallet. So digital money is exchanged using technologies such as blockchains, smartphones, credit cards, and online cryptocurrency exchanges. Now, China's been working on the digital yuan since 2014 and launched it as a pilot project in four Chinese cities last year. The digital yuan has now been expanded to 10 cities, and provinces covering over 100 million people where a program has been conducted in the form of lotteries. 
in the city of Shenzhen, for instance, the government gave away a total of 10 million yuan, about 1.5 million U.S. to about 50,000 people, which they could use with 3,000 local merchants after downloading a digital app. So this is China's trial balloon. Okay, then, and we understand how it works, what it is. This digital currency, as I have been reading and come to an understanding of, gives China an opportunity to keep close control of the Chinese people. How do they do that? You know, China's digital one is basically adding another element to its toolbox of surveilling and controlling its 1.4 billion people. It's no secret that China is already known as the country in the world with the most pervasive surveillance, with over 500 million cameras and the infamous social credit score. But now with the creation of a digital currency, the communist government can be confident that hardly any transaction will go unregistered. Now, once the digital yuan becomes the only form of currency, the Chinese government will be a model for tyrannical governments around the world. And that leads me to the next question. Is this move by China with this digital currency a way to replace the United States dollar as the international currency? Yeah, I believe the real purpose of China's new digital currency is to challenge the longstanding global reign of the U.S. dollar. On October 1, 2016, the International Monetary Fund added the yuan to the basket of global currencies called SDRs, made up of the dollar, yen, euro, British pound, and the Chinese renminbi, or yuan. The SDR, or special drawing rights, was created as a backup for the world reserve currency. The addition of the yuan was a major boost for the legitimacy of the Chinese country. And since then, China's built up massive gold reserves to further strengthen their currency with the ultimate goal to replace the U.S. dollar as world reserve currency. Well, we know the U.S. dollar is not able to control people across the world. However, will this new China digital currency have the capability or power over the world's population as they do on the Chinese people today there in their own country. Yeah, I don't think so. Even with China's meteoric rise on the global stage and Beijing's long hoped for physical currency to ride on the back of its economic success, a shift away from the dollar has not happened. Jimmy, no global consensus exists today for China in the same way it did for the U.S. in 1944 when the dollar was pegged as world reserve currency. So then you would not say this is a precursor to what is described there in Revelation chapter 13, the mark of the beast in order to be able to buy or sell, or could this in any way be a precursor to the fulfillment of that prophecy? I've often remarked on our blog that before this generation, there was no economic system on earth that could be completely controlled by one government. The advent of Bitcoin in 2013 and a stable of over 200 coins that are not controlled by governments has forced the central banks to move forward on central bank digital currencies, or CBDCs. Otherwise, they'll risk losing control of the money supply of the nations they represent. Jimmy, the U.S. Federal Reserve is moving forward with its own version of a digital currency, even though it is now lagging the Chinese. Since the Fed would monitor every transaction, bank accounts will be unnecessary. Because digital money will be programmable, it will change the entire structure of money. The Fed will be able to automatically deduct taxes, freeze funds, limit or deny transactions to go through. Think about this, Jimmy. Purchases of firearms denied. 
fossil fuels denied, unapproved medical care denied, financial support for certain political candidates denied. Jimmy, just use your imagination on this one. So, yes, I believe this is a precursor, making the road to Revelation 13, 16, and 17 very real. Boy, that is a very important statement that you just made, because that prophecy will come to pass at the midway point of the tribulation, three and a half years after the rapture of the church. This does set the time of the rapture very, very close at hand. Ron, very important report. Thank you so much for your insight, for your research, and helping us to better understand it. Now, I know you do this on your website as well. I would love for you to give your website address to our listeners. Thank you, Jimmy. Yes, our website is prophecytracker.org. We've been around since 2010, and we post headlines and uh, and post opinions uh, pretty much throughout the entire day. prophecytracker.org. Ron, thank you so very much. I appreciate it, buddy. We'll have you down the line come back and give us more important information about the financial activities, the economy of the world. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, Jimmy, for having me on, and God bless. We're going to take a quick break. After the news in the last half hour, David James is going to come to talk to us about China again. However, this focus will be on what China is doing to the Christian community in their country of the Chinese people. That's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung, and welcome back to Prophecy Today. We're going into our last half hour. David James is standing by. We're going to be talking about the atrocities committed on the Chinese people by the red Chinese leadership, especially the people that are Christians. Please answer my poll question, if you will. Go to my website, prophecytoday.com. The two reports on Communist Red China today from my broadcast partners gave us an opportunity to hear of China's new digital currency and the atrocities that the Chinese leaders are ordering to happen on the Chinese people, the Christians in particular. Do you believe that Red China will play a major role in Bible prophecy as foretold in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 12. Now that's the poll question. Please answer it. And don't forget to pray for us here at Prophecy Today as we reach around our world with the information of the soon coming of Jesus Christ. And in those prayers, consider what the Lord would have you to give to support this ministry. We now bring to this microphone David James. He's at the broadcast table today to join me in a discussion. And we're going to focus on the atrocities in China. You need to keep the dial set right where it is. Earlier, we talked about China with one of our other broadcast partners, the economics of this great nation. I say great nation because it's so large 
most largely populated nation in all of the world and a major player in the end times. We'll get to that discussion in a moment, but David, the listener question for this week actually concerns what role the United States may have in the fulfillment of end times prophecies, even if our country is not mentioned directly in the Bible. Well, that's right. I've edited the email a bit for the sake of time, so here's what our listener wrote. I'm a Christian businessman who has been traveling to Europe for the better part of 25 years. Is a possible reason we don't see American prophecy because the U.S. ultimately joins up with the European Union either before or after the rapture? And he goes on to say, I could see this taking place because leftists, starting with the Clintons and carrying through the Obama administration, seem to always be pushing for the U.S. to become more and more like Europe. So, Jimmy, as you said, the U.S. isn't mentioned directly in Scripture, and so it's difficult to make an argument from silence. But we do know from Daniel 2 and 7 that there will be a revival of the old Roman Empire after the rapture of the Church, but we don't know exactly what that will look like. And we also know that of all the world's powerful nations, America likely has by far the highest number of born-again believers per capita and that would be in the general population as well as in business, government, and military, I would say. So it seems inevitable that America will collapse as a superpower as she descends into chaos because of the rapture. And furthermore, since America is Israel's only protector, her collapse will create a power vacuum for the Antichrist to fill as he leads that revived Roman Empire to confirm a treaty with Israel for seven years that he'll break after 42 months. So if America does connect with Europe, it would likely be for protection, I would say, uh, during the tribulation and not as a superpower. And I would go right along with what you just had to say, David. And let me remind our listeners, I have produced a documentary, DVD documentary, entitled, Is the USA in Bible Prophecy? It's about a two-and-a-half-hour production It will be worth your watching. I give a Civics Lesson 101 with Dr. Paul Blair, who is pastor in Oklahoma, but a former NFL football player with the Chicago Bears. You can go to my website, prophecytoday.com, go to the Prophecy Bookstore, and you can purchase Is the United States in Bible Prophecy. David, thank you for letting me slip that little promotion there in the conversation. You recently sent me a email update from a missions agency that we won't mention on the air because of security reasons, but it prompted us to turn our attention to China this week because it noted some of the serious ethical and moral atrocities in that country. Well, I think it's an important discussion, Jimmy, and I know some people who have worked with that missions agency, and they generally try to fly under the radar because their work includes limited access countries and even those closed to missionary activity. But in one of their more recent newsletters, they took the bold step of focusing specifically on China and pointing out some of the more egregious policies and practices of the Chinese government. So let me take a a few moments to read just a, a portion of that update. They say, a few weeks ago, we talked about China, and I would like to continue to share about some of the things they are doing that should cause God's people to be alert and prayerful. 
I'm very grateful for the Chinese Church. They are amazing people who serve the Lord in spite of much opposition. And the update continues with this. Unfortunately, the communist government of China is very evil. It seems that President Xi is showing his true colors more every day. The Chinese government is trying to play God and get the Chinese people to bow to their human leadership while closing churches down and persecuting Christians. So, Jimmy, it is an important topic, and uh, I'm glad we're bringing attention to it. David, could you take a moment, give us a more expanded overview of some of the concerns with China's actions that are actually outlined in the update before we get to a couple of them in more detail? Well, the first thing they know is that the Chinese government has over a million Muslims in labor and re-education camps. And another thing is a new Bible translation is planned for next year that apparently says that President Xi is a god to be worshipped that changes the moral teachings of the Bible, and also the book of Revelation is apparently removed, and maybe that has to do with the role of China in the end times. Who knows? China is also heavily involved in genetic research with some of their projects, including experiments with rats to introduce modifications to allow males to become pregnant. And these experiments uh, are laying the groundwork, apparently, for men to give birth in the future. Another development is that a team of scientists from China and elsewhere have developed embryos that are a mix of human and monkey cells for the first time in history. And a disturbing detail about that is that American scientists were also involved. China is a leader in gene editing research, and it's been reported that they've created AIDS immune babies. And then, of course, there's the gain-of-function experiments on the coronaviruses, and this has been at the center of a firestorm of controversy, as we even saw last week when uh, Senator Rand Paul got into a heated exchange with Dr. Anthony Fauci. David, you really got my attention when you talked about the Chinese translation of the Bible, and of course, without the book of Revelation. Do you have any idea how bad is this translation going to be, and how the Chinese government, do you think, plans to use it? Late last year, the National Review went into some of those details, uh, even though the translation isn't quite complete yet, and quoting their article... According to the state-run Xinhua News Agency, the party assembled a group of obedient and pliable quote-unquote scholars late last year and charged them with, quote, making accurate and authoritative interpretations of classical doctrines to keep pace with the times. And the article further states that the Communist Party plans to turn the scriptures into another piece of regime propaganda by rewriting them beyond all recognition. And they note John chapter 8 concerning the uh, account of the woman caught in adultery, noting that this story is used by the authors of the textbook as a party-approved moral example of how obedience to the law at all costs is absolutely necessary. Now, that account is largely translated in the way that we're familiar with, But then the National Review article observes that events then take an altogether bizarre and diabolical turn as the text says this, When the crowd disappeared, Jesus stoned the sinner to death, saying, I too am a sinner. But if the law could only be executed by men without blemish, the law would be dead. End quote. So, Jimmy, obviously this is blatant blasphemy, and I think it demonstrates just how much the Chinese 
government genuinely fears Christianity and the Word of God, and this fear and determination puts believers in serious jeopardy, I would say. Well, praise the Lord for those believers that are there in China. I think we should lift up prayers on a daily basis for that group of Christians, and may they be protected from harm from the Red Chinese Communist Nation. Well, David, let's move on to the scientific research and experiments that you mentioned earlier. These sound somewhat like that they would raise some very serious ethical and moral questions with broad implications. Well, you're absolutely right. Concerning the genetically modified babies, the National Library of Medicine reported this. In November 2018, media from all over the world reported that twin girls had been born with modified genes to make them HIV immune. Their birth was the result of an experiment with couples in which the males were HIV carriers and the gene that enables the HIV infections was disabled. But here's the problem, Jimmy. If genes can be manipulated for one reason, they can be manipulated for any reason. And does this mean that so-called designer babies are now a real possibility with modifications possible for all sorts of physical and mental traits? In April, Newsweek published an article titled Human-Monkey Hybrid Embryo Created by Joint China-U.S. Scientist Team. And the article stated the embryos were created for scientists to uncover new ways to produce organs for transplants. Researchers injected 25 stem cells from humans into embryos from macaque monkeys, and the scientists then grew the mixed embryos in test tubes for up to 20 days in order to study how the animals and human cells uh, communicate. Now, the obvious question here, Jimmy, is where does this all stop, and how far have they already gone in producing genuine human-animal chimera hybrids? And then this month, Nature.com reported an experiment to impregnate male rats stitched to female rats by researchers at the Naval Medical University in Shanghai, with some scientists saying the rat model could eventually be used to determine what might be required to maintain pregnancy in people of any sex who wish to bear children. And if these are the kinds of things we know about, Jimmy, then what is happening that we don't know about? That is the big question. But from what you've just reported to us now, sounds like satanic activity for sure. Well, one last point, David. With the delayed Summer Olympic Games currently underway in Japan, the next Winter Olympics is just around the corner, and China is to be the host. Do you think these things need to be considered as it relates to participation by the United States? Well, let me say this. Back in April, CNBC reported that the State Department denied discussing a boycott of the 2022 Winter Olympic in Beijing. But then less than a week later, the Washington Post ran an article with a headline, Should the U.S. Boycott? the Winter Olympics in China. Then the art, that article went on to say, critics of China's ruling Communist Party, including a coalition of more than 180 human rights organizations, argue that the regime's record of human rights abuses and geopolitical malfeasance ought to deprive it of the right to burnish its image with a spectacle like the Olympics. And just this week, Jimmy, ABC reported that a bipartisan group of House lawmakers is working to trigger a diplomatic boycott over allegations that the country is committing genocide against its Muslim minority groups. 
So in general, Jimmy, I'm not a big fan of boycotts, but the U- United States and China have boycotted the Olympics in the past, and I do think there are many legitimate reasons for our country to refuse to participate. And beyond that, I do think this is something that individual Olympic-level athletes who are believers in Christ need to seriously think about, whether they can go there to compete in good conscience before the Lord and before the world. David, an amazing report. I'm so glad you brought this missions letter that was sent out by, we well, not going to mention who did that because of security reasons, but excellent report. I appreciate it, and I think it was needed, especially so contemporary with the times and events happening today. Thank you, buddy, and be ready for another one next week. I'll look forward to it as well, Jimmy. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. I'm going to take the issues my broadcast partners brought to the table. I'll open the Bible. We'll take a look at the book. It's all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. Hey everyone, this is Dave James with the Alliance for Biblical Integrity. You hear me each week discussing current theological issues with Jimmy DeYoung on the Prophecy Today weekend broadcast. We founded the Alliance for Biblical Integrity because we saw a need for an apologetics and discernment ministry that would be an important resource for local churches, schools, and ministry organizations that face ever-changing theological challenges in today's world. I teach many different courses and seminars in the United States and around the world and can tailor the seminars for Sunday schools, Bible studies, and church services, and the courses for weekend conferences of 6 to 10 hours. For more information, you can go to the ABI website at biblicalintegrity.org. That's one word, biblicalintegrity.org, and click on Courses and Seminars on the main menu. You can also contact me personally through the contact page on the ABI website. I look forward to hearing from you. In today's world, a biblical worldview and a proper understanding of biblical prophecy should be a priority. At a time when many false doctrines are entering the church at a frightening pace, we must be able to rightly divide God's Word in order to live a pure and productive life for Him. If you would like an in-depth understanding of biblical prophecy, let me challenge you to consider Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's School of Prophets. The School of Prophets is an online study for the layman or student pursuing a master's or doctorate degree. Dr. DeYoung's online study program will allow you to develop a timeline of biblical prophecies of the past, as well as future prophecies yet to be fulfilled. Your personal study of God's Word will only be enhanced by Dr. DeYoung's School of Prophets, and your life will be changed as you better understand, like Daniel, where you fit into God's calendar of events. If you're interested in developing a deeper understanding of God's prophetic Word, let me personally invite you to become involved in Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's School of Prophets. Call today at 8-PROPHECY-8. That's 877-674-3298. Or visit us at schoolofprophets.org. It's time right now here on Prophecy Today for us to take a look at the book. You know, each and every weekend here at Prophecy Today, we bring our broadcast partners to the broadcast table from around the world. Today we did that so you could hear the truth and the details on current events that may well be setting the stage for the prophetic scenario that is found in the pages of Bible prophecy. These broadcast partners have information that you will not hear 
on mainstream media. That's why it is essential for you to hear this broadcast each and every week. Please help us spread the word about God's plan for the end times as it is unfolding in this world on a daily basis. And by the way, should you have missed any of the broadcast today, we have archived each of our broadcast partners with their reports. I want you to please go to prophecytoday.com, then to PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network, and there you will find my conversations with each of the broadcast partners. You can listen to them at your convenience. And again, remember to tell a family member or a friend about these reports. With that said, I now want to give you my prophetic perspective on my broadcast partner's reports. Ken Timmerman, who looks at geopolitical activities around the world for us, talked about a major protest in the streets of Iran just prior to the inauguration of their new president, who's referred to as the Butcher of Tehran. You know, so much in the news about Iran, and that should be the case because of the fact they will be key players in the end-time scenario. The book of Ezekiel, chapter 38 and verse 5, mentions Persia, which is a combination of three nations in our world today, Afghanistan, Pakistan, and Iran. Amazing how these three play a key role in what's happening in current events that we can all watch from the sideline as God's plan unfolds. David Dolan gave us his Middle East news update. He talked about President Biden, who was joining Russia Iran, Syria, and Lebanon against the Jewish state of Israel. When you think about President Biden siding with all of these people that I mentioned, you'll have to recognize they are key players in the prophetic scenario found in God's word that will endeavor to try to destroy the Jewish state of Israel. In fact, Psalm 83 verse 4 says that they will do everything they can to wipe Israel off the face of the earth, that their name be forgotten forever. Look up Psalm 83, Daniel 11, and Ezekiel chapter 38. Winky Madad is a broadcast partner, and we go to him always with a pulpery of issues. Today, especially the report on insects in Israel that will be used to prepare for the next temple in Jerusalem. If you have been listening to this broadcast over the years, you know that all preparations have been made for that temple to be put up on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. However, they do need to be able to complete the garments for the high priest and the veil of the temple. What they need to do is have a red dye, and these insects that Winky told us about have appeared in Israel just at this particular time in history. Seems like God is providing. There are a group of ladies collecting these insects, making the red dye, and continuing to make not only the garments for the high priest, 
but for the veil of the temple as well. John Rood is the man who covers the European Union for us. This is a key report because we see the prophetic scenario coming out of the political activities of the European Union. John talked to us about the relations between the EU and Russia. Think about it just a moment. The European Union is at least the infrastructure for the revived Roman Empire. And Russia fits the scenario talked about in Ezekiel 38 and the nation referred to as Magog. Both of these are key players in the tribulation period. That would be Revelation chapter 13 verse 1 and chapter 17 verse 12 for the revived Roman Empire. And of course, Ezekiel 38 2 for Russia. We brought Ron Morrow to the broadcast table to tell us about a new digital currency in China. Revelation chapter 16 and verse 12 says China will be one of those major actors in the end times which God has put in place, I believe, for the days in which we are living. Look at chapter 16, verse 12, and then when you see he will be in partnership with the Antichrist, you can derive that information from Revelation chapter 16, verses 13 to 16. In partnership with the Antichrist, China will be able to bring together a worldwide currency so that all people at that time will have to have the mark of the beast to be able to buy or sell. David James and I have a weekly conversation. Today we focused again on Red China, who is involved in persecution against the underground church in China. This underground church continues to grow. We want you to please pray for this underground church and the role that they can play in winning many Chinese people to Jesus Christ before the end time scenario does come about. I want you to please go to prophecytoday.com, Prophecy Today Radio Network, and there you'll find my conversations with each of the broadcast partners. I have to remind you that today's reports from my broadcast partners are actually tangible evidence that we are at the time for that next prophetic event to happen, and that is the rapture of the church. Do you know there's not one prophecy left to be fulfilled before the rapture of the church? The rapture is next. It could happen at any moment, even today. And having said that, nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until... Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today. Thank you.